sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, what's up, you FNCs? Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Bricardi. And I'm wondering what a C is. Oh, it's feeling caregivers. Oh. We have very yeah. nice listeners. That's pleasant. Uh, this week, we are doing... Our top ten newspaper comic strips. As promised. Uh, not necessarily newspaper, but... Oh, I only did newspaper. Oh, did you? I did not confirm You have a web one in that. there? Perhaps I do. Perhaps I have more than one web one. Oh, well, I... <laughs> we had different ideas on what this episode well, was then. If you would like to revise your No, list. I just last week you specifically said I don't I don't really read any webcomics. So I'm, well, like, oh, I'm not gonna <clears throat> I know. But that is fine. Um if it was only uh if it was only newspaper comic strips, I wouldn't have been able to do ten. Well I'll certainly you can do ten. Just bottom like my bottom three are not ones I like that much. But they're still comic strips. You just put ones you don't like on. It's a top ten. It's not a top ten that I have to like every single that's, one. I guess that's true, yeah. If you're just doing top ten, there can be shitty ones near the bottom. Mm-hmm. Huh. I never thought of things. Because, you know, you think top, that means, oh, shit, these are the best of the best. But you're right. Like they're still the best I could, of the best. I could probably happens. do a top ten Red Hot Chili Peppers song and hate them all. <laughs> exactly. Correct. And I would. Um, you would hate them you all. You would do that? No, I would yeah. never do it. <clears throat> In fact, I don't think I could even name ten Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. Well, there's Jalapeno. There is Basamati. Habanero. Uh, Basamati. That's their song. So. I don't know if it's a pepper. Um. Yeah. Top ten comic strips of one form or another. Yeah. Uh. So let's just jump into it. Actually, I, I know we're probably not. This is probably going to be a bullshit episode because I don't know how much we'll have to say about these comic strips. Well, but, I uh, have a lot to say, but I know you don't like to listen to me. So, what's that? So I think you should do a uh, fire up your uh, Excel, man. Let's get these in here so uh, we can have a record of all our lists for future generations. Um, did you just call me fat? Did I? Yeah, because you're an XL. Oh. No, I, you know I wouldn't say that because I am a uh, 16 XL. So, that would be the pot calling My, the kettle fat. Should I go first or should you? No, I think you should go first. My number 10, which as I mentioned, the bottom three aren't ones I especially like, but I enjoy talking about. And I liked them when I was a kid. Uh, anyway, number 10 is Blondie, a really weird comic strip that came out in, I think, the 30s and started off much, much, much different than what it became. And from what I understand, it's still running. It started in 1930, and I don't think Dagwood was there at all. Or Yeah, Dagwood wasn't there at all, and Blondie was a flapper. Or Is that too early for flappers? No, flappers were 20s, so that's fine. Okay, so yes, she was a flapper, and I, from what I understand, I don't think I ever saw copies of them, but I, she was a like a just on her own, 
and then and then the, the she aged and the, the strip grew and uh, got married to Dagwood and they had children and at some point they locked it in and then for 40 years she was stuck at as the same age which I think is pretty interesting. I you know I think Blondie like that was a bad call on her part Dagwood that was the original uh, Kevin James Leah Ramini type situation. I I Dagwood is a much better catch than Kevin James but I hear what you're saying I'm I'm catching what you're throwing down man. Well good. That's groovy, because she, Blondie, seemed very. Uh, she she seemed like she didn't need Dag, which she could have been independent, but I guess there wouldn't have been as many hijinks, without bumbling ass Dagwood in there. But yeah, it after a while it seemed like it it wasn't really necessarily she wasn't the main character necessarily she was just no, kind of a straight yeah. man. Yeah, um, to Dagwood sandwiches and yeah. So I'd, it'd be interesting to read some of the older ones where it's just her. I agree. I, I don't know how long it was just her, if that was just like a year or if it was a while. It looks like it was three years before they got married. Yeah, but and the editors um, were like, uh, she needs a man. <laughs> but uh, the what I, my experience with the comic strip as a kid was just kind of there, but the TV show, not TV show, the movies, they, they would show them on Sundays along with Abbott and Costello and all that. I yeah. used to love those movies. They were... I'm sure they're awful, but as a kid, they were funny, and it was neat to see the characters from the comic strip I read every Sunday. So well, they are awful, and as a kid, I did not like them. They were <laughs> well. There's a lot of good things you didn't like as a kid. You just had bad taste, like Ma and Pa Kettle, like Muppets. Why? Where do you get the idea I didn't like Muppets as a kid? Out of your uh, 13 year old mouth. Oh, that is true. You do keep my 13-year-old mouth around in a jar. Please don't isolate that sentence and attach it to Already done. Uh, Okay, well, yeah, that's that's an interesting pick. Yeah, like when we were reading it, it was just kind of, like you said, it was just kind of there. Yeah, it's. I think it was just running the same jokes over and over. He eats big sandwiches. Something's happened. It was just kind of a standard strip for whoever was writing, because I'm sure it wasn't the same guy from 1930 writing it, even when we were kids. Maybe it was his his son. But uh, this just a place a place to put the jokes in. It didn't really matter who the characters were. Yeah, which was about ninety five percent of comic strips when we were yeah when we were kids anyway. So um, <clears throat> my number ten is all right. I I guess it's a web comic, but it's also been published in book form. It's very hard to figure out what was going on with this, but uh, I don't know if you know it. Ant Colony by Michael DeForge, Mm-mm. who I believe does animation for um, Adventure Time. Oh, cool. But anyway, it is, uh, it's about this colony of black ants and they're at war with the red ant, this red ant colony. And obviously it's like, you know, it's um, a commentary on human interactions and stuff, but it's really weird too. And the art is great. Um, So, and that's a recent one, like 2014. I know Drawn and Drawn and Quarterly publish a book, but I think he still does it. Um, it's really hard to find inf- information on this one, but I I saw it and uh, didn't know that he was like an Adventure Time dude or anything. And uh, and the I just got into it because of the art, um, which is trippy and like kind of kind of psychedelic. But uh, yeah, it's really good. Ant Colony, Michael DeForge. I say check it out. 
It's no Blondie. Well. Although, you know, being ants, they probably do eat lots of sandwiches. Or yeah. pieces of sandwiches. Maybe it is... Maybe it takes place in Dagwood's backyard. Who, who can say? I mean, I just did. But that's what I like to think. Um, yeah, that's it. You should you would like it, I think. I'll check it out. What you got for number nine? Nancy, another Ugh. comic strip that started in the thirties that, as a kid, was just always there. And at some point between when I was a kid and now, they they a new artist went on it and they entirely changed the look and I think even the jokes of it. The jokes are a little bit better when I look at it now and then than when I was a kid where it was just kind of the same joke over and over again. And it's, uh, it's interesting that something has lasted that long and they allowed it to be changed. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they did that. I mean, even the style of the art is different now than when I was a kid. Well, everybody involved in it originally is long dead probably. Well, so. yeah, but there's the people who own it. Anyway, this is another one that, that changed. She was originally Fritzy Ritzy's niece and the character became so popular. She got her own car- uh, comic strip. Starring Nancy and her, his her pal Sluggo, and I think when the new people took over, and, and oh, I, I don't even know when, but when they took over, they they brought the the ant back into like more pr- prominence than when I was a kid. Oh yeah, I mean I knew the ant was there, Aunt Fritzy. Right. Yeah. Speaking of Fritzy, what's up with your hair, Nancy? Just wash it or something. You got too much static cling going on. Does she still look that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mostly. I mean. It's a different style. People look the same. Here, here's here's my question, right? Uh, Nancy, lesbian, right? I would have to assume. I don't know. She's eight years old. If you want to do uh, start talking to 18-year-olds about their sexuality, you're, feel free. Well, that is my Pete application. Um, yeah, Nancy, another one for me that was there. I mean, I read it, but you're right. It kind of was the same not very good joke over and over but uh so was everything else wait well i won't say a name because it might be one of yours but i'll say I it see later what, so i see what happened in 1984 this dude took over and he modernized the look of nancy and that's the look i knew and i didn't know it was modernized and then in 95 these two other dudes took over and they returned it to its traditional form so i guess 95 i wasn't reading Guy Kil- Gilchrist, which sounds familiar, but I'm looking. I don't know him from anything else. Oh, he was involved in the Muppets. Oh, who my 13-year-old mouth hated. Yeah, Nancy. The, I don't know. The felt. What can you say? I can't believe nothing, it's still going. Nothing especially good, but... <laughs> um, My number nine. The Angriest Dog in the World. Are you familiar with this one? Nope. You won't be surprised when I tell you who wrote it. David Lynch uh, ran from 1983 to 1992. It was always like the same drawing, just with different words every time. And it was what you would expect a David Lynch comic strip to be, exactly. The end. Where, where did it... Like where, where I don't it know run? if it ran in alternative papers. or I can't even remember where I first saw it. Um, I mean, it had to be some kind of alternative weeklies or something. Uh, it's online now. Like you can find, you can find the strips. Yeah, 
Um, I just remember hearing about it. And I was like, oh, David Lynch does a comic strip? And, you know, it's just like absurdist and, and non-sequitur type humor. Crap, alternative newspapers may make me think of another comic strip that I'm going to have to stick in this list. because Sandwich it in? Yeah, I just deleted, I deleted something else. Yeah, that's probably good. I mean, maybe you should have deleted Blondie and Nancy, but uh, yeah, the angriest dog in the well, world. I, maybe I'll do that instead. I'll just delete Blondie and Nancy and pretend they're not on a list and put my next choice as number 10 in lieu of Nancy. I'll put it in number 9 in lieu of Nancy. Okay. So this is my number nine, but it's really my number eight. Yeah. Tom Tomorrow. Is that what it's called? Tom yeah. Tomorrow? Yeah. It's awesome. I don't, I actually don't look at it as much as I did back when I was, uh, alternative newspapers were readily available, but it was always, it's, it's funny. The drawings are good. Uh, he has a, wait, it's not called Tom Tomorrow. That's the artist, right? The, the, the strip is called This Modern World. Oh, this Modern World. You're right. Yeah. And it's it's a great style that he's stuck with all this time, and his his political viewpoint has not changed, and it and really the world around him is, has changed, and he's been more right as time goes on. So, yeah, yeah, this modern world. Uh, I agree. That's your number eight. We're gonna say, mm-hmm. uh, so we can keep this in order and not blow my mind. Yeah, no, that is, and I have. I have one similar to that in here. Uh, my number eight. Uh, this was, I, I actually had books of this and stuff. Uh, Bloom County by Berkeley Breathe Breathed. You didn't care for it. No. Ran from eighty to eighty nine, and then started I like, again in twenty fifteen. I like Opus, but other than that, it's yeah. just Opus. Oh, it was like Doonesbury, except not as boring. So in my mind, your sentence is exactly, exactly right. Just remove anything after and including except. I disagree, but I have not read it since I was a teen or younger than that, I guess since it was 80 to 89, but I definitely read it as a teen. Well, compared to what else was in the paper, it was, uh, yeah, I, yeah, but didn't it become just like a, what's the build a cat, like, oh, like yeah. a sitcom where build a, build a cat took over? Kind of, yeah. It got the build a cat character got a little too big, which was dumb because he was just I don't know what his deal was. He was like psychotic or something, but he didn't talk. He was just some crazy fucker who sat there like a lump and and grunted. Or was he dead? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway. <laughs> that's your number eight. That's my number eight. Still better than Nancy. Uh, all right. What do you got for number seven? Number seven is another another strip that uh, I just remember from when I was a kid, and it's just so odd I have to include it. It was called Henry. Do you remember this? No. Henry, uh, another one that started in the 30s and somehow ran forever. I don't even know when it ended. But it was it was mostly pantomime and pantomime, and it was well there would be some uh, dialogue, but it would be from everyone except Henry. So there's a lot of sight gags in the comic. But Henry was this little bald boy 
who had adventures and he did things that looked funny. And <laughs> it was actually not that not I think it's better than both Nancy and Blondie. And I have I haven't looked at it in a long time, but I think it would probably hold up as being funny because with when all you're doing is psych gags, it's a little bit easier to hold up. So anyway. Did Henry have leukemia? He's just a bald little boy. Why were there so many bald boys in comic strips? It's very, very difficult to draw hair. Yeah, I agree. Just, I mean, unless you're Nancy's artist, you just do some balls with spikes sticking out of them, I guess. Not realistic, but easy to draw. Henry. I don't know. Now I have to, now I'm like, oh, maybe I vaguely recall it, but. I think if you if you do a search for Henry and you see the little bald kid, you'll say, "Oh, that's right, I know Henry." Yeah. Uh. All right. Well, Henry, the comic strip, was your wait? That's your number seven. My number seven. Another alternative weekly, I think daily. Who knows? Uh, Life in Hell by Matt Groening. Yeah, that's a good one. The Simpsons, nineteen seven. I didn't know this ran from nineteen seventy seven to two thousand twelve. Well, you thought you thought it stopped when he started The Simpsons. I thought it stopped, yeah, earlier, and I thought it started later. I thought it started, you know, eighties sometime. But oh no, yeah, I knew it started earlier. I didn't know when it stopped. But I knew it was well after The Simpsons started because I remember seeing it when I was. It wasn't. It wasn't like like this modern world was in any city's alternative newspaper. A Life in Hell I only saw in L.A. I never saw it in other... Was it in San Francisco's alternative paper? I think so, yeah. Okay, I never saw it anywhere else. But I also... Yeah, I also got the books. Yeah, yeah, I had the books. I, I don't know how I had the books, if I borrowed them or what, but I remember a train trip where I spent the entire trip reading the Life in Hell books, and they were fun. Yeah, Akbar and Jeff, these two mm-hmm. gay dudes who wear fezes. Uh, what was the bunny's name? Don't remember. Binky? Yeah, anyway, yeah. But the original uh, pull for the Tracy Ullman shorts is they wanted him to do Life in Hell animations, and he was up for it until they said they would own the characters. He's like, yeah, I have another idea. Let's do this. And that's the rest of the story. Thank you, Paul Harvey. Uh, yeah, I it was, you know, it was good enough. I think, and, you know, his art was always what it is, but Mm-hmm. It no, it wasn't about the art. It was about the jokes. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was very uh, cynical, which I liked. Uh, it was a rarity for comics. But yeah, yeah, life in hell. All right. Damn, we're almost halfway done. We. What's your uh, number cease? Uh, this is the first one that I actually like. Oh no, I, I mean I like this one a lot, but the first of my original. This is one of the ones I like to start. This is a strip that's kind of modern. I think it's probably started in the 90s maybe or maybe 2000s. Oh, started in 2006. So way off. But it's called Leo. It's about this little boy who has uh, really kind of creepy adventures with uh, ghosts and serial killers and murderers. And it's – it's well, it's not as dark as that sounds, but it, it was it's a funny strip and well-drawn. And that's and it's, just like regular papers? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh what's it called? It's what's it called when you when 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 something can go meta, like it can kind of look at itself like its own 
it, it, there, there'll be strips where he'll have other characters in there and he'll make fun of the other characters from other strips, that kind of thing. Yeah, I would just call it meta. Yeah, it, it's a strip that's meta. And in really funny ways. Leo, never heard of it. Of course, I don't like read physical newspapers either. So Yeah, I don't know how I came upon it. Because uh, 2006 was well after I started, but I'm glad I did because it is a lot of fun. But it's not, it's like not as dark as you make it sound, but it must no. be somewhat dark. It's pretty, it's darker than, than anything that would be in the paper in the 80s, but it's not, it's not like, there's no, there's no gory scenes or anything like that. Yeah. But there'll be, like, I know there's, there's, there's ones with ghosts and goblins and stuff and he's, he likes, he likes death. Oh, so he's a little goth kid. Does he have hair? Here's, yes, he does have hair and he has a little spiked head. And here's an example. I was just looking through them of a, of one of his affinity for death and it's, what what do you do day? Bring a parent or special friend to school to explain what he or she does for a job. And the next frame has Leo looking at his dad laughing at Gilligan's Island on television. And then the third and final frame has Leo going up to death and saying, please come to school. Well, he doesn't say anything. I think it's another one where you never see him talking. But he's talking to death and saying, come, come to school. I want to show you off. I don't understand how he's talking and not talking, but I get it. Well, I think you've never read a comic strip then. Nope. Someone's mouth is open. That means they're talking. Or they're just dumb. Huh, Leo. All right, mm-hmm. I'll check it out. I'm sure that shit's online. Yep. Um, my number six. Hey, yet another... Man, I don't even know where I first saw this, uh, but get your war on. David Reese, you remember that? Kinda. It was, an, it was kind of like this modern world, but... I think darker and more, more cynical with its humor. It was like really an angry strip, and it started in uh, 2001, like a month after. Oh yeah, 9/11. I do remember it. Did, is it done? Yeah, it ran. He, as he promised, I guess it ran right until George Bush left office. Oh, I see. So January 20th, January 20th, 2009 was the last strip. Yeah. It seems like he's. There is a certain date recently that he should have picked it up again yeah i wonder what that date would be don't know moving on (laughs) oh are we moving on oh well that was my number six no i was moving on to talk more about get your war on oh yeah i really liked it because it was you know it was political but like i said angry not like doonesbury shit it was you know expletive laden and was basically a fuck you to George W. Bush, uh, which there there haven't been enough of those kind of things, even in the alternative papers. Well, I, I mean, I guess there's more now. Yeah, I Al- think, but no, but I think alternative papers need, alternative needs to be in quotes because they don't really exist anymore. That's true. Well, I mean, we still have them here. I don't know if anybody reads them. Do they? Do you or are they owned by? Um big conglomerates that run alternative papers in every city that do you have be do you have papers that are just oakland or just san francisco because i know the philly one is gone yeah I we have they... we have the east bay express yeah um i don't know if san francisco still has one it's a good question because the philly city paper from i think that folded and they had something that replaced it and i don't think even that's around anymore it's just it's anything in print it's hard to keep going and now i'm seeing that 
David Reese had a, did, did you listen to this? He had a SoundCloud page where it was all uh, combined, kind of combining vocals of Taylor Swift with Aphex Twin called Aphex Swift. No, that's pretty awesome though. I need to listen to that Me from too. 2014. I loved Aphex Twin. I was thinking about that the other day. That was, that was music that no one I knew had any, any desire to listen to. So I, it wasn't something I listened with other people, but I loved it. Yeah. Well, it's not really, it, it's pretty specialized music. Yeah. I, I would love that, to hear that mashed up with you, Taylor yep. Swift. It's on SoundCloud, so. Good for you, David Reese. Still fighting the good fight. All right. Well, I guess we breeze through our top or our bottom five. Uh, I'm guessing we're going to have a couple things in common in our top five and probably the same number one. Uh, But you know what? I I can't predict the future. Or can I? You can't. You will die. We will. Wait, you messed up my numbering. I had this modern world replace Nancy, and you made made it so it's. Oh, I'm gonna have to do two at once at some point to catch up. Well, yeah, you. I messed. You're the one who messed it up. We got to keep this thing in order. Yeah, but it, you said, okay, that's your number six, but that shouldn't have been my number six. That was my number two, my number nine. Yeah, but you can't just I switch done two after at you've already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I okay, don't know so why you're trying my, to blame here's, me. Here's my other uh, number six. It's Mutz. We had a whole episode about oh, yeah, it. Yeah, Mutz. So I don't have to talk about much, but it's awesome. You should read it. Weirdly, it is about skunks. We will take a quick break. We'll come back with our top five right after these non-messages. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shanmiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. We're back with our top five comic strips. So, uh, you, you good now? You got everything in the correct order? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Then why don't you enlighten me as to your number five pick? Well, giving you my number five pick will be like putting pearls before swine. Don't know it. I mean, it's good. I'm vaguely aware a, of it, but it's a, it's a newspaper newspaper. Uh, another one that's very self-aware. It's it's fun. They, I think they do a good job of being, yeah, of knowing knowing the contours of of the like the strips that came in the past and hewing to that, but also having its own really cool thing. What is it about? And the guy, it's these animals that one's really sarcastic and there's a pig who's really cute and innocent and it's really funny. I don't think it's much more complicated than that. All right. Well, I don't need complexity for my comic strips. What were you going to say? The guy? What guy? I don't know. I don't think anything. You, you, start, you had a sentence fragment in there and I was just trying to 
help guide you along. But maybe it just slipped out of your subconscious. Pearls Before Swine. Still running? Yep. All right. When did that start? Was that like an 80s thing? No. Later? That, that I, I would be... I would, I mean, just like the other one, I'd say 90s, but I might be wrong. I'll have to look it up. All right. My number five, while you look that up, I know when it started. The year was 1950. Eisenhower was in office, I think. And, uh, you know, America was uh, post-war, starting to make some money, still oppressing women and minorities. But, you know, those people thought it was a great time. Those white men, I should say. One of those white men created a comic strip called Peanuts. His name was Charles Schultz. And it ran for 50 years. I think most people are familiar with this comic. Uh, It's most famous character, Spike. I think he lived in Needles. That's the worst character of all the characters of Peanuts. And there was some bad characters. And I love Peanuts. It's also on my list somewhere. But Spike was awful. I think that's universally agreed upon, right? Oh, yeah. I don't... He had a mustache, which was fucking weird. He was really rail thin, unlike Snoopy. Yeah. Didn't care for Spike. But I love Peanuts. He seemed like a hippie. He seemed like he was drugged all the time. His eyelids were droopy. Yeah. Didn't he Didn't he have another cousin he wrote to? Spike was the one yeah. in Arizona. Wasn't there one like in other country or something? Or am I, I don't know. Yeah, up? I think so. And he was like much fatter, the other cousin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Then there's that depressing special about... I forget what it was about. I just remember only watching it once and never wanted to watch it again about where Snoopy came from. What? I, never I think I watched it when I was a kid. I don't remember the story. That's just how that's how the story resonates with me without knowing what it really was about. But the early Peanuts stuff is awesome. The stuff from the 50s, 50s to the 60s is really good. Even the stuff, once in a while, he'd have great stuff later, even up to the, two, up to the 90s. It wasn't as, because he had a lot of Hallmark stuff in there. Yeah. The characters became, I mean, it's kind of hard to have, to be that sharp for 50 years, but once in a while, even in, in the late years, he'd have something awesome. So I think that's, I think peanuts is probably going to be, should be on the list of anybody's list of the greatest. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and when it first started, like Charlie Brown was just like a, a fucking study in depression. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't nearly as hallmarky at all. It's pretty cool to go back and read those old comics. You're like, Oh, this guy was doing something. It, not just that, but the the people around. I mean, we we talked about that first strip where it's Charlie Brown walking by and someone says hello, and then he walks out of out of uh, out of frame, and they say, "I hate that Charlie Brown." Yeah, what a great comic strip, like very almost surreal too. It's funny. I've never. I mean, I guess I should read a biography or something to find out why the art changed because the art changed kind of drastically, and it was kind of a gradual change. I guess maybe it was just he. He got better. He got better. I think got that's better. exactly what it was, yeah. Yeah, and I still I like it when he t- wasn't as good. I think that, I don't know. I mean, I think when he's really good, it's still good, but it, I, they became such co- cultural phenomenons. It's not as, it, it's you see it so much more often, it's not as interesting when you say it. Yeah, I agree. Save some of this for your peanuts, man. That's, that's my a good number, choice. Number five. Well, 
My number four is Far Side. Not familiar. Oh, it's a comic strip by Gary Larson. JK, and... Pat, JK. It's also my number four, so we might as well just... I figured it might be. Yeah. Although I don't know what your number... Oh, uh, I can figure... I don't know what one of your top three are. Yeah, I think you'll be surprised by my number two, probably. But um, yeah, The Far Side, Gary Larson. Uh, uh, the two biggest comic strips of the 80s, I think, unless I'm... Well, maybe Funky Winkerbean you can throw in there, but no. The two biggest of the 80s were Coward and Hobbs and The Far Side, and they both they both retired when they were on top, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and The Far Side actually ran uh, longer. The Far Side was 80 to 95. Um. I, I think of it as, like, quintessentially 80s comic strip, but I guess it did still go for five years after that. But the majority of it was the 80s, yeah. And and it was just, you know, it was all one-panel shit, and mm-hmm. just bizarre. And tons of people since have tried to replicate that formula, and none of them have succeeded. No, I think he had the... I don't know if he had a science background, like like if he, if he had like schooling, like he had a PhD or anything like that. But even if he didn't, he had he had knowledge. Yeah, he of was nerdy. Science, yeah, and able, yeah, and able to tell these jokes that were, that worked on multiple levels. Yes, I agree. And, and the, there was a I don't I wish I hadn't gotten rid of it, but I had a, a great collection of the Far Side. I think it was a complete Far Side, or no, it wasn't no, it didn't have every strip. It was. Uh, can't remember what it was called, but it was oh here it is prehistory of the far side, and oh, yeah. it had it's a great book because not only did it have a bunch of strips, but it had great great stories from Gary Larson. I think my favorite story in there was the uh, the the bit about um, Jane, what's Jane Goodall and how he got a like there's a there's one where there's two gorillas and the gorilla says is that is that I see a blonde in your hair is that you, with that tramp Jane or something like that maybe it wasn't as harsh, but he got like this nasty nasty legal letter from the Gene Goodall Institute and he felt awful. He felt really <laughs> awful about it. And then later he met her at some event and, and he told her and he, he apologized and mentioned the letter and she's like, Oh, I thought it was hilarious. I don't know where that letter came from. So I like that story. Yeah. I, Jane Goodall doesn't seem like someone who would be litigious about no. something stupid <laughs> like that. That was just someone in the office. Well, I'm sure you can still get the prehistory of the far side if you want it, Pat. Well, I mean, I had it and got rid of it. I'm sure I yeah. can still get it. But uh, another another thing I like that's in the book is where he talks about the mistakes and one of the greatest mistakes, and I think that happened twice. Uh, Dennis the Menace, another comic strip that ran forever, which could have been easily among my top three or bottom three. Um, and the far side had switched captions yes. for a few weeks to hilarious effect. Uh, yeah, I did a I did a 10k race. Uh, in San Francisco when I was, I don't know, 17. And uh, it was run to the far side. Uh, and so I got, I had this, I got this like far side shirt. Uh, oh, that's cool. Out of that, which was really cool, which of course I don't have anymore. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know if he is from San Francisco or not. Actually, I don't, I should have looked him up because um, it was weird that they had it here. Uh, but yeah, who cares? He's from Tacoma. Tacoma. In the great state of Rhode Island. Uh, I I also had a Farsight shirt. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the comic strip was that was on my Farsight shirt. I just remember having it. It might have been the the push for the school for the mentally gifted, but I don't know if it was. Yeah, that somebody got me a mug. Actually, two 
two separate people, one of them being one of my parents, one of them being one of my close friends, got me a mug of that one. I guess they thought it epitomized me. Thanks, everybody. Uh, well, I liked the <clears throat> run to the far side shirt because it was like a one-off thing. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was specifically for that event. And he drew like a bunch of his characters running and shit on it. Um, so yeah, no, it's really awesome. Should have kept it. Could have sold it for a mint on eBay. Yeah, so that's both of our number four. Uh, I I think like that was such a breath of fresh air in '80s comic strips. I mean, much more than Bloom County was for me. Uh, the Far Side was like we've talked about with TV. It was more like the David Letterman style of humor as opposed to the Johnny Carson style that all the other comic strips were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. No need to do my number four then. What's your number three? No need to do my number three, Peanuts. Yeah. I think we said that all that needs to be said. Uh he was a local dude, George Schultz. Local to me, I mean. George, what, why are we talking about George Schultz? Charles Schultz. Why did, oh, you know why? Because my number three was created by George Harriman. And it was Crazy Cat. Which I'm guessing, well, might be on your list. Uh, which was another long-running one. 1913 to 1944, so 31 years we did a whole episode on Crazy Cat as well. And the only reason it was that long running is because uh, William Randolph Hearst liked it. Yeah, but that's one of the It was awesome all the way through. Good things William Randolph Hearst ever did. Um, that and Inspire Citizen Kane. And then suppress it. Uh, yeah, Crazy Cat, Ignatz. The Brick. The Office brick. of Pup. Yeah, Office of Pup. Uh, yeah, we've done a whole episode on it. We don't need to say a lot more, uh, except almost nothing from that era holds up comic strip wise. Uh, well, I, they they they're not bad. It's just they're so different. It's it's hard to see what they are because they're these long. Well, the some of them don't hold up where there are these ethnic this ethnic humor that's yes more awful. than, more than yeah. slightly racist. But there's other other things that are just like these long soap operas in. Like where Crazy Cat first appeared, where there are these people people living in apartments and just talking about their lives is really weird. Yeah, but yeah, which was Crazy Cat super holds up. They even like carried on uh, into the '80s and probably now, um, but like they weren't as long. But like stuff like Mary Worth or whatever, where they were just like dramatic soap opera ish. Yeah, Mark yeah. Trail. Yeah, yeah. Nobody nobody liked those. Well, the the neat thing about a lot of the ones from Crazy Cat era where they had so much space to fill in the paper, they have kind of good art. And I mean, not the great art, yeah. Draw, Mark Trail and uh, Mary Worth, I can't draw like that, but I wouldn't consider it great. It's just kind of it's generic cartoon yeah, art. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not even cartoon. It's like they're going for it's like comic book art more than comic strip art, which I think there's a slight difference because like good comic strips have kind of like a an animation to it. You know what I mean? It's not so much. It's not, but these are going for like photorealistic and it's not as interesting. I mean, it's, there's a craft to it for sure. It's just not as interesting as the other strips. Well, and I mean, we probably talked about it a little on the episode. I don't know, but like if crazy cat came out today, unchanged it, people would still get it. Like 
Yeah. Millennials yeah. could dig it. Everybody could like the humor was so so absurd that it it works. It works. It's not so stuck in time as those other comic strips. Agreed. Um, what do, what do you got for number two? Am I going to be able to? Let me ask you this: for either of your top two, am I going to be able to use my famous or my favorite catchphrase, "ack"? Well, I guess we'll see. My number two is Calvin and Hobbes. What number two? All right, this is interesting mm-hmm. because now I'm a little. Huh. Okay. Some of us like Mark Trail. I don't know. I guess we'll talk about Calvin and Hobbes a little bit more in a second. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think I just just glommed onto what your number one is. Uh, I'm guessing because I just talked about it. Yeah, we'll do Calvin and Hobbes in a minute. Then my number two. Uh, this is the one you probably wouldn't have guessed. Uh, Garfield minus Garfield oh, by Dan that's Walsh. A fun choice. Because almost no comic strips made me laugh that hard. <laughs> what I really like. I like a lot about Garfield. I, I think one of the things that's great about Garfield that uh, Jim Davis does not take himself seriously. So Garfield minus Garfield is actually uh, produced and sold by Jim Davis, yeah. which is hilarious to me. But he has no problem with making money, of course, but making money off of someone kind of making fun of his of his life's work. Basically which, mocking him, yeah. Yeah, and it's he doesn't care. I mean, I, but also at the same time, Garfield itself is, is neat and good. But in its own way, I mean, maybe it was neat and good for five years because they're running the same jokes, but it's, it has its own thing. And like I talked about, it has its own style, too, that changed when he, as he got better. And, it, and for kids, it's, kids love Garfield. Oh, yeah. Which, I loved it as a kid. So and I think it has, it has its strengths. And, it, it, of course, he, he, hates, he hates Mondays. Yeah. And loves. Wait, why does Garfield hate Mondays? He doesn't have a job. What does he care? I think it's because he gets to sleep around all weekend, but then John has to get up on Mondays. It's like, you know, the first day after the weekend. So he wakes Garfield up on Mondays. I mean, oh, I not see. that I've put a lot of thought into this, but that would be my guess. No, Garfield without Garfield is an excellent choice. And that's, it makes me like Jim Davis so much that it's, it's something that exists and it's not something that got easily could have been shut down by his lawyers. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, it, it works. I mean, it works, especially if you know Garfield, the original Garfield, yes. like it's, it makes it that much funnier. I mean, it's still funny just because it's so fucking weird. Right, um, right. Even but if, if you have you know no context, the, but... Yeah, with the context, it's funny because, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so great. Well, and because, like you said, it's basically mocking the whole idea of the original Garfield, which is awesome, but also it's not like a mean... It's not in a mean-spirited way, necessarily. No, it's kind of like it's laugh. It's saying this is some half of the stuff you wrote is pretty funny. So let's emphasize that. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it's excuse me. It's not mere. It's not like uh, the dysfunctional family circus was much more mean spirited, and I could see why that would be. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Well, plus Bill Keen probably does not have the sense of humor as Jim Davis, and Jim Davis. It seems like he doesn't. He doesn't give a fuck. No, why should he? I mean, <laughs> he right. built this awesome empire around this this cat he created in the early '80s or uh, late '70s. I, I imagine when did Garfield start? Probably I don't, you late know 70s. what Garfield? I don't know. I didn't look it up because I didn't actually do Garfield. Um, Got to be late '70s, right? '78. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So did uh, do you know when Garfield minus Garfield came out? No, I couldn't. I couldn't find it. Although I'm sure it's online. I just didn't notice. I I got found the creator's name, and that was it. Um, not that long ago. I know that. 2008. Yeah. So, is Garfield's still going? I assume, oh, right? Dan Walsh is from Dublin, Ireland. I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. I said Garfield is still going, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is it just doing reruns, or is I guess he's doing? I don't know. He probably just has like some child labor putting it out for him at this point. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he might write it and someone else draws it. I don't really know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> People like it. Yeah. All right. We're up to our number ones. Here's here's what I'm going to suggest. We each say each other's number one picks because I'm pretty sure I know what yours is and you have to know what mine is. Yep. All right. Uh, you you want to say mine first? Calvin and Hobbes. Okay, and I'm going to guess yours is Crazy Cat. Oh, very good. Yeah, had to be. Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes, uh, I do like more than Crazy Cat. Uh, It's It's a toss-up. Yeah. It's one or the other. And the only reason Crazy Cat ended up being number one is because it's the one I wrote down first. Um, Calvin and Hobbes did something that is very hard to do, which is it's hilariously funny and it has heart, but it's not stupid and sappy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, which you, you know, we talked about that with parks and rec, same type of thing. Like that's a hard trick to pull off because I, that stuff turns me off like Hallmark type movie things, you know, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. And like perfectly developed characters from the very beginning in Calvin and Hobbes. Um, and it only ran for 10 years, 85 to 95. And I assume, I mean, I don't think he's done anything, right? He just like kind of retired from the strip and yeah, he does. I, from what I understand, he does like art. He paints, but he doesn't do anything public facing. I don't, he was never comfortable with the public facing stuff. He never allowed his stuff to be commercialized, never yeah. allowed cartoons to be made and he would have made a mint. So it's not like it wasn't, there wasn't offers out there. He just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Well, he had integrity. And he's the first, well, maybe Doonesbury did it first, but he was one of the first to, of the, like the, he was the new school of, of comic strip guys where he, he took the power they gave him and took vacations and stuff. The old, like the, the Mel Lazaruses of the world would never think of it when they came up during the depression and, and like yeah. worked in, worked into this position. And he's, and I, I'm sure they thought some like little less of him for it, but I think he just needed a creative break and it helped. So they, I think he did it first, and then Jim Davis did it with Farside, where they just reran strips. Or I might be remembering, maybe Jim. Da- or no, I'm sorry, Gary Larson. Yeah. Did he do that? I forget. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't I remember. He yeah, he might have, but I mean, I don't even know how much they would have resented him for it. I'm sure he was. He made them a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just like a perfect strip that also never got bad, just like Crazy right. Cat. Like it was. Yeah. It was solid and, all the way through. And just like Farside. And Farside, yeah. I think it's a little bit easier with Farside when you're not dealing with the same characters over and over again. I think it's a lot more difficult for something like uh, Calvin and Hobbes where it's just you're limited with the characters you want to use. And I, The other thing, I think he started to get annoyed by newspaper, the newspaper industry's changing and him not having as much space in the Sunday papers. Uh, Bill Waterson yeah. did. No, he was, he was like in control of that 
shit all the way through. Uh, and I don't think, yeah, I haven't Have seen been... anything Have... like it since uh, that was Have... up to that quality. Have you ever seen a picture of him back from when he was drawing the strip? Yes, but I don't recall why. He looks just like uh, Calvin's uncle, and therefore just like his dad without the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just like the dad yeah, yeah. with the mustache. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't argue with those two. Nope. Calvin and Hobbes and Crazy Cat. Um, and people should check out Crazy Cat. Just, I know people know Calvin and Hobbes, but I think everybody would like crazy cat agreed um, and it's re- like you can get those nice ass books of it too where it's all in color and well it's not all in color but like they have the nice color strips and everything um i think we both own the complete calvin and Hobbes, right mm-hmm. which i rarely break out because it's too nice <laughs> exactly there was a great uh i think a couple people did it and some of them were good back like five or six years ago, a couple of webcomics did sequels to Calvin and Hobbes of what happened later. I remember one specifically where they, like, Calvin and Susie Durkins are married and they have a daughter. And somehow the daughter gets Hobbes. And it's really cute and well done. And kind of, it's, they didn't take it, like, they didn't turn it into its own strip. It was just a one-off. And it was very sweet. So if you have a chance, you should look for that. Oh, yeah. I think you talked about that before and I totally forgot about it. So, yeah, that's... That's interesting. I mean, and I get it. Like, people love that strip, and, you know, you kind of, it's just like an homage. But, you know, you yeah. also don't want to, like, you have to do it right. You don't want to f- shit all over the memory, even though it's not actually Bill Watterson. You know, like, right. the, the, I don't understand the pissing Calvin bumper stickers. They've always annoyed <laughs> me. Like, no, I, these are not like that. Yeah, no, no, exactly. But you, I, I just feel like, well, number one, you have a Calvin pissing bumper sticker. You're probably somewhat of an asshole in some respect, anyway. But like, I don't know why you, why you got to take this thing and fuck it up. And this oh, guy obviously doesn't want it. Like, yeah, but I think these are respectful and they're they're obviously they're homages and they're not take they're not. Turning. Of course, yeah. So it's uh, pants are overrated is the one I'm thinking of. That did that. It was 2011, but so that's more than five or six years ago. But whatever. And the uh, interesting thing about Gary Larson, I didn't know. In '99, he said he asked people not to share his his strips online. I don't know if there's even a place officially you can see it online. And really, I don't see his strips that, that often. And I don't know if it's. I mean, he's pretty popular, so maybe people just respect his wishes, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about it. I haven't looked for Farsight online, to be honest. I, but I mean, I'm sure you can find some, but it's not, you know, you see yeah, some, you see. You don't see the entire series. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's in 99. Uh, oh, yeah, never mind. The internet was going by then. I was. I, th- <laughs> I thought 89 at first. I was like, oh, man, he was like really early on it with those Usenet groups and shit. Um, all right. We did Recommendations. Asians, Asians, Asians. Yeah, you go. You have a good one, allegedly. Uh, oh, wait. I don't even know if it's new, but it's new to me. And Oh, I have to look up the name. Oh, man. New. All right. You want me to go first? You go first. I will recommend uh, a new series from Image Comics, although there's only been two issues. It is called Ice Cream Man, 
and it seems to be so far kind of an anthology thing in a way where it's like not there's one continuing character the ice cream man who is who just appears in these other people's stories uh in some creepy way and don't know a whole lot about him yet but uh but i i like it because it's a, it's got a weird uh feeling of dread throughout it even though it's not necessarily like a you know a horror comic or anything it's it's people's lives and then how this ice cream man interacts with them but he's got some weird shit going on for sure so anyway yeah ice cream man by hold on let me written by w maxwell prince art by martin morazzo martin morazzo there you go have you seen it no no but i'll look for it yeah or just you know wait for the trade Okay, did you figure yours out? Yeah, mine's very old. I didn't look at the year when it came out. <laughs> I just yeah. never heard it. Doesn't matter. Blinking Lights and Other Revelations from the Eels. Oh, the band. Yeah. It's a good album. Yeah. They're, they have <laughs> a new I have one. To say. They have, they a, have new a new one, one coming. Coming out, yeah. And it's not out yet. I thought that, For some reason, I thought this was a new album and I really liked it, but whatever. Well, you're dumb. Exactly. Um, it's not going to be out till April. Why would I have to wait that long? Did any singles come out from it yet? Yeah, I think they've they've released a, a song off it. If you go on iTunes, you can get it. Um, uh, yeah, I was. I almost gave a mild recommendation to another Netflix show, but man, a lot except for Dark, which I thought got better as it went on. The problem with a lot of these Netflix shows is that they start out good with a good premise, and then they get more just conventional near the end um mm-hmm. and it's uh babylon berlin which is horribly dubbed like they got really bad voice actors to do it because it's obviously a german thing but uh it looks good fairly interesting story i give it a very mild recommendation but it does seem to get kind of towards the end you're like all right come on but um, you liked mindhunter all the way through right i did like mindhunter i okay. yeah that was when i actually thought Another one that got better as it went on. Well, I haven't finished. Don't spoil too much. But I have been reading, as I watch the episodes, I've been reading reviews of it from the guy at the AV Club. And, man, I I just feel like he's watching a different show. And he's complaining about the music all the way through. And it's irritating. Yeah, it's like a divisive show for some reason. I don't really know. I, I enjoyed it. So People don't like Debbie. Was that her name? The girlfriend. Yeah. Well, I but, think that's... More, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say what that is. But, you know, that that's what they said about uh, Walter White's wife on Breaking Oh, Dad no, I, no, I don't mean it in that way. They're not complaining about her in the same way. Okay. But not in the misogy- misogynistic way, more in they don't understand the character. The character doesn't make sense to them. And some people blame the writing. Some people blame the acting. But uh, I think she's well, fine, so I don't have any problem with her at all. Yeah, I was going to say, I do too. Um, and I think she... She is a character that is fully realized by the end of the series, for me anyway. So, anyway, it, or the end of the season. I was going to say, if there's yeah. a second season, do you think it will be with the same crew? Yes, I think it yeah, would okay. have to be. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it wouldn't have to be, but I would like it to be, yeah. Um, Anything is possible. Well, not anything. You know, your parents tell you you can grow to become president, but, nah. There's been, there's been like, uh, what, I think, say, 575 million people in America since... It was founded as America. Forty-five have been president. Stop lying to your kids. Yeah, but those Plymouth odds Rock are not good. Didn't land on me. Plymouth Rock landed on us. That's true. That is right what to us. E pluribus at, unum means. Sorry, go ahead. I was just asking people to write to us, please. We're so desperate to hear your your lucid tones. Your bad grammar and punctuation. Do it. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com for any reason whatsoever, including future episode ideas if you'd like to be on the show, or just to give us an emoticon of a eggplant with rain coming out of it, or like us on Facebook, or write us highly on iTunes and write a glowing review, and most importantly, tell your friends to listen. Yeah, I don't like those eggplants with the water coming out of it. Like, don't try to tell me that I need a vegetarian diet. You know, let people eat what they want. Kind of rude. But, you know, if that's what you want to write, send us, go ahead. We'll take it. Well, this finishes up another thrilling chapter in the ongoing story that is Pop Culture Continuum. So until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.